Welcome to another inspirational podcast from Junction 28 Church. We're so glad that you've decided to join us today and know that God wants to bless you with this message. We'd love to hear about it, so why not tell us on our Facebook or Twitter pages? If you would like further information about who we are, check out our website www.thejunction28church.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Thanks to the historians that have written uh, and actually many a time supported the events in the Bible, we have, we have supporting evidence of all that has happened. Uh, and not that we need it, can I say, I don't need anything other than this. Oops, I don't need anything other than this, friends. I don't need anything other than the knowledge that Jesus Christ has washed my sins away. I know that what has happened in here is real. And I don't need any other book or any man or any other woman to confirm that Jesus has done it in me. But thanks to historians, we have have really um, stories running through that just support many of the things that we read and I want to take you with the aid of historians back to a year 65 AD 30 plus years from the point at which Jesus died and the place that I am taking you to is possibly at that time the most powerful city in the world It is Rome. And in just five years, in five years' time from 65 AD, the empire it controls will order the destruction of a once equally powerful city, the city of Jerusalem. The temple there in Jerusalem in 70 AD will be demolished and the area ploughed under. Over one million people will die in the sacking of Jerusalem. I want to take you to a dark cell by now where a prisoner is held between two guards He's only a small man. And now, in his aged years, he is weak from the punishment and work of many years serving Jesus. Someone enters that room. Come with me, if you will. Someone enters that room and orders the guards that hold him. It is time. He is taken from the prison to a place of execution. Unlike many who have gone before him, there is no protest. There's no shouts of innocence. There is no abuse to his captors. By nationality, he is a Roman and therefore will die 
by the sword. But by choice, he is a Christian. And by calling, he is unashamedly an apostle of Jesus Christ. He has had time to write many letters during the imprisonment, and he has led many to Jesus Christ, his Savior. So that it is even said, as it was in the letter to the Philippians, there is a church in Caesar's household. One of the letters states this, I have finished the race. 2 Timothy 4 and verse 7, Paul, Paul, this giant of a man of God, he states this, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. It's not the finish that many would expect. Many would look for applause and adulation. I remember a story from an old missionary who was returning home uh, on furlough from many years serving Jesus in Africa. It was time for her to come home. And when she arrived and the train began to pull up, a band was playing outside on the platform. She felt so honoured. But as she stepped off the train onto the platform, she realised that the band was playing for someone else. And as she walked towards the exit, she began to think, Lord, I've served you faithfully all these years and no one is even here to welcome me home. And then suddenly she felt as though God whispered in her ear, but you're not home yet. You're not home yet. For Paul, it was time for him to go home. And he could write with clarity and purpose and vision, I have run the race. I want to talk to us, I want to talk to all of us, to my heart this morning, about running the race. The race that God has called for us to run. Because are we run the race that God has called us to run? Are we run that race? Are we, friends, finish that line? Will depend on how we leave our mark upon this world. And I want to say something very clear this morning, because I know that God, God is, friends, encouraging us to be people who will get into the Word. God is wanting us to be people who read this word, apply it to our lives, become people who love the word. 
and how we run the race that God has called us to run is directly dependent upon what we do with the word that God has sent us. How we run, can I say that again? How we run the race that God has set us will depend upon what we do with this word. With this word. We can, friends, treat it as though it's some casual note. We can, friends, treat it as something that we pick up from time to time. And, friends, it will have little to none effect. But friends, if we will become people who take this word as it is, as the unblemished, spotless word of God, breathed upon by the Holy Ghost, as holy men of God, inspired by the Almighty, penned these words, friends, I tell you, it will, it will provide the answer for you as you run this race. God has called us to run this race. You say, well, has he got all the answers? I am telling you, I am telling you after, just trying to work out, after 50-something years of seeking to serve Jesus, this word, friends, works. It works, friends. And I want to just encourage you. I want to, I want to friends, plead with you to get into this word. Some people say, how do, uh, you know, how, how should I go to bed at night? What attitude should I have? The Bible's got the answer. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. How much should I love my wife? Love your wife as Christ loved the church. It's the level. That's the level. All right, men, I, I'm going to say this. I weren't intending to say it. You know, it's all right, men, you coming back. Us coming back and say, wives, obey your husbands. First of all, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. That's the standard. It's all about running the race. I want to read, and I'm, I'm, going to, I'm, I'm reading from the uh, NLT, but I know they're going to, uh, uh, thanks to the media team, they're going to put other um, translations up for you, other versions up. But if you will just bear with me, and at some points I'll stop uh, just to make some comment. But I want to talk about how we receive this word. Not, not the word that I'm preaching, although that matters, but how we receive this word makes all the difference to how we will run this race. Luke chapter 8, verse 1 to 15, if you will, please. Soon afterward, Jesus began a tour of the nearby towns and villages, preaching and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. He took... With him is 12 disciples. Verse 2, along with some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Among them were Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, 
Herod's business manager, Susanna, and many others who were contributing from their own resources to support Jesus and his disciples. I'm just going to stop there just for one moment to, because the Holy Spirit chooses to include these people's names. And you know, I, I, I don't know how many times I've read Luke. Like you, you know, we've probably read it many hundreds of times, Luke, or heard from it. When I read it, I was preparing this word, it just came to mind that the Holy Spirit chooses to include the names of these people. First of all, it includes Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene, what, what enormous need Mary Magdalene had in her life. Enormous need. She was, in, she was just desperate for help. I want to say this morning, whatever your need this morning, whoever you are, Jesus is the answer. He really, really is the answer. I'm not talking, I'm not ju just talking, friends, religious jargon this morning. I am talking life and truth. Jesus Christ was the answer to Mary Magdalene with all the need that was pressed upon her. There must have been days when she just did not know what to do and how she was going to manage through the day. But there came a time when Jesus Christ set her free and he broke the chains. And the Holy Spirit wants to point out that she's there following Jesus. In her right mind. In her right mind. And then the Holy Spirit points out Herod's business manager. You know who Herod was. He wasn't a good king. He was the king who ordered the beheading of John the Baptist. And there, friends, there within, we mentioned earlier in my introduction about the saints that are in Caesar's household. Well, there were saints, friends, right in the middle of Herod's business. Right there in the middle of Herod's palace, in all of his activities, there were people who were following Jesus. What an extreme in those two people. Mary Magdalene, Great, enormous needs. Susanna or Chooser, uh, their business manager, uh, you know, in probably one of the hardest places to live for Jesus. But there they are following Jesus. Let's continue. Verse 4, please. One day Jesus told a story in the form of a parable to a large crowd that had gathered from many towns to hear him. A farmer went out to plant his seed. As he scattered it across his fields, some seed fell on a footpath where it was stepped on and the birds ate it. Other seed fell among rocks. It began to grow, but the plant soon withered and died for lack of moisture. Other seed fell among thorns and grew up with it 
that grew up with it and choked out the tender plants. Still, other seed fell on fertile soil. This seed grew and produced a crop that was a hundred times as much as had been planted. When he had said this, he called out, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Verse 9. His disciples asked him, what does this parable mean? And he replied, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of God, but I use parables to teach so that others, uh, <coughs> so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. When they look, they won't really see. When they hear, they won't understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is God's word. The seeds that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from believing and being saved. Verse 13. The seeds on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy, but since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while and then they fall away when they face temptation. The seeds that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life. So they never grow into maturity. And the seeds that fell on good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word and cling to it patiently produce a huge harvest. A huge harvest. I want to say this morning, friends, there is nothing, there is nothing wrong with the word. We can't, we can't blame this. If, if things don't work for us, we can't blame this. When we fall, we can't blame this. When we miss the mark, we can't blame this, friends. The word, there's nothing wrong with the word. It's how we receive it. May we with meekness receive this word. I want to look, I want to look now at the race. Because how we run is affected by how we receive the word. And I want to say this morning that your heavenly father wants the best for you. Well, I want to st start off right on that premise, friends, right on that statement, God, your heavenly Father, wants the best for you. Like, a, like fathers at sports days. Who, who's been a father or a mother at a sports day? Yeah. You know, you, ju you just can't hold them down. Your, your child goes into, into the race and, and, and you're there. Come on, come on, come on. <laughs> I've even known friends of ours who, um, whose, whose mother went and she was running with them. Come on, come on. <laughs> your father wants the best for you. I want to look at this race. And first of all, I want to see that there are a number of people at the race there's the spectator. 
they don't get started. They aren't part of the start line. They aren't part of the race. They enjoy the race. They love the atmosphere. They enjoy the company. And as they walk home, they're talking about, oh, next year, next year, I'm, I'm going to run the race. Next time, I'm going to put my application in. I'm going to run the race. But as the months get closer and the training is required, they start to think, I don't think I can do it. And they never, they never do start to run the race. They remain a spectator. You know, there are people who come to church, perhaps even this church. There are people who come to church and they're just content to be spectators. They tell the, they, they're not ashamed to tell people, I'm going to church, I'm going to J28 next week. I'm going on Sunday morning. And they, they just love the atmosphere. They, they love the music. They love the company. And one day, yes, one day they are going to make that decision. They're going to join the race. But they're like those who heard the word. But before it could grow, it was taken out and nothing became upon it. Like some spectators, they, they just don't feel they can do it. They can't make the grade, they say. Sometimes, sometimes, beloved, it is because there have been events, circumstances in their life where they've built walls, where the ground has got hard, where their heart has been hardened because of events and circumstances. And it isn't their fault. You know, they, God isn't condemning them for that. He's coming to them and he's saying, he's coming to people here this morning and he's saying, I know the circumstances of your life. I know the details of what has happened in your past and I want to give you a new heart. I want to give you a future. And even when you say, I can't do it, I can't make the grade, God is saying, but I want to be your heavenly father. I want you to join up with me. I want you to come and take my yoke upon you. And let's run together. Let's run together. They're spectators. I want to say this morning to someone perhaps here, is good news because if your heart has been broken and become hard we serve a God who heals the broken hearted and he can give you a new heart and he can give you the abilities to do what you would never be able to do and then there are people in this race who are the false starters 
seen them, haven't you? On television, you've seen them. They, they're all ready to go. And they run before they should run. They're false starters. And of course, now in races, false start and you're out completely. These are people who are out before they started. The reason being that they have got to do it their way. They're like seeds that have fallen amongst stones. There's no place for the seed to grow. You've heard the saying. You've heard the saying that I've heard many a time. It's not how you start, but how you finish. And you know, there is an element of truth in that. Thank God, friends, God is looking for us to finish and to finish well. But I want to say this morning, if you do not start right, you will never finish. What do I mean by that? You see, we sang this morning about the word, about the name of Jesus, about power in his name. I want to say this morning, friends, unashamedly, unashamedly, there is salvation. There is deliverance in no other name than the name of Jesus Christ. There is no other way There is no other way to know God, to know him, to build a relationship with him, to find that he is your dearest friend, to find that he's the one who is there uh, when you open your eyes and before you close your eyes. There is no other way. Jesus Christ is the way. Jesus Christ is the way and the truth and the life. And whatever, friends, whatever, whatever uh, theories, whatever proposals might be out there in this new age, whatever compromises may seek to get into the church, it remains the truth, friends. And by God's grace, I know that this ministry and this leadership will, pre- will continue to preach it Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ only is the way. And no man, no man nor woman will come to God but by him. Because nobody, friends, nobody has paid the price like Jesus paid the price. Nobody has died and rose again and ascended to the Father. No other man, whatever, whatever their theories, whatever their doctrines, friends, of the likes of Confucius and, and Muhammad and such, friends, they are all still dead in the grave and Jesus Christ is risen. <laughs> Hallelujah. He is the only way. And if there are stones, if there are things in your life that mess your life up, that stop the seed growing, I want to tell you, as we sang this morning, he breaks every chain. He breaks every chain. Will you listen to me? He breaks 
every chain. He can remove the stones that are there. Then we have the sprinter. The sprinter. He's a 200-meter man. You've seen them. They just, they just burn up the track. They just run. You blink and you've missed them. But they're in the wrong race. They didn't read the application form. Because the race is a marathon. It's the marathon. It's not 200 meters. It's miles. It's the marathon. They leave everybody behind on the start line. And whilst they're in the stadium, everything looks good. But when the race takes them out of the stadium, out of the public arena, into the countryside, into obstacles and distractions, they pack it in. They're like those who sadly fail to mature in their Christian walk. They are like the seed that became choked by weeds. They get distracted by pleasures and riches and the cares of this life. Our salvation, our relationship with Jesus must work beyond these walls. Our relationship, friends, with the God that has loved us to give his son, it has got to work beyond these four walls. It's got to work beyond Sunday morning or Sunday night. It's got to, friends, it has got to work on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, etc. It has got to work, friends, beyond the warmth of a summer's day. It's got to work beyond the times when we feel good and everything is rosy. Jesus said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. It's got to work, friends. And thank God I can, I can testify this morning that it works. The race, friends, the race the knowledge, the relationship with God, it works when the cross seems heavy. And finally, I want to see, not fight, don't get excited yet, but in these runners at the race, I want to see the long distance runner. I don't know how many people have run a marathon here. Anybody run a marathon? Yeah. Great, there you are. All these fit people. Does anybody watch the London Marathon last week or parts of it? I ju it's just inspiring, isn't it? It's just inspiring. Anybody know who won the London Marathon last week? Everybody who finished. <laughs> yeah. Everybody who finished. Did you hear me? That's deliberate. There were two people who ran the fastest, and that's what it says. They ran the fastest, and they were both from Kenya. They ran the fastest, but everybody who finished, they won the marathon. Their goal 
of the long distance runner is to finish as well as he can. Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 9 verse 24, it says this, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the price? Run in such a way that you might obtain it. That's the encouragement that God wants to give us this morning. You see, Paul is not saying there is only one prize. Not saying that. You know, God is not, God is not unjust. God isn't giving one, you know, just one prize to those who run. What Paul is saying is how we run. Our attitude when we are running, when we are set ourselves to follow Jesus, our attitude should be that we are running to win. Running to win. Those friends who receive the crown, those who receive the prize, those who bear fruit in their lives are those who, I'm coming back to it again, who have received the word. They read the word. They listen to the word. They apply the word. They know the Father. They know who they are. They know that it's not just about getting from A to B by the fastest route. For all those sad people who when they get on a, a plane journey and who actually read all the literature in front of them. Any people like that? I've done it only once, promise you. Pick it up. I looked at the... I looked at the, um, the flight path when we were going to New York one occasion. When you look at the flight path, there's a meaning behind this, if you just bear with me. When you look at that flight path, it goes like that. It's not like that. It's not a dead straight line that you would think straight across the Atlantic. No, it, it just seems to zigzag. You know, sometimes, friends, when we are running this race that God has called us to run, sometimes it's going to take us here. It's going to take us there. Yeah. But all the time, we're moving forward. But sometimes, like Paul and the apostles, they, you know, they were ready for going somewhere, and they got called over to Macedonia. People like Philip, who was preaching and seeing a, a massive glorious uh, evangelistic campaign and souls coming to the Lord uh, and he's running and then suddenly God sidetracked him and he moved over here to preach in the desert to one man and who knows what that one man did see uh, you know the earth flight path isn't always straight and our walk our run of this race it will not always be straight sometimes if we are listening to God's direction, he will direct us across this way or that way. Sometimes, friends, it is that we might stop to help someone. And I want to, I want to leave us with this really, really important thought that has been on my heart for weeks and, and months. And it's from, it's from Galatians. 
chapter 6 and verse 2. And this is what it says. Carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Sometimes, friends, instead of getting from A to B by the quickest route, sometimes running and taking us forward will mean stopping to help somebody else. Sometimes it's going to take you off a tangent so that you can carry another's burden. Really important. To stop to help a brother. To stop to encourage a sister. Instead of just wanting to run full pelt forward, sometimes God will stop you where you are in order to help someone, to carry someone's burden for them. The law of Christ. The law of Christ is to help those who are down and out. To help those who need encouraging. To help those who are sick. To help those who need ministering to, regardless of what your plans or my plans are. And you only need to look through you only need to look through the Bible and you can just see example after example of people doing this, of stopping to help, of stopping to minister. You see the likes, yeah, we, can, we all know of the Good Samaritan, but then you can see the likes of Jesus. When he was, when he was on, on the race, when he, friends, was looking to the cross, but it was necessary for him to go through a downtrodden, despised area called Samaria. Jesus moved to one side and stopped to help a woman. You see it right through, right through Scripture, you see these examples. I'm closing with this. There's a scripture in Deuteronomy, strange place really to get a scripture that just supports this, but it's why it's important for us, I keep saying it, it's why it's important for us to come back to the word, to become readers of the word. Deuteronomy chapter 22 and verse 1, it says this, uh, Moses is just giving out the directions that God gives for people to live by. He says, you shall you shall not see your brother's ox or his sheep going astray and hide yourself from them. What he's saying is this. If you see, if it's just, if it's just the cattle or the sheep that's going astray and you see them, don't pretend you didn't see them. Don't hide yourself away. Don't look the other way and think somebody else will deal with it. Brothers and sisters, there will be times as we run this race when it's necessary for us to stop and not look the other way. I'm going to read a poem that I've abridged. If anybody is health and safety... 
they'll recognize this poem, but I heard this, I heard this little po poem some years ago when I had to attend one of those health and safety mandatory trainings, and I've pinched it. It came to my mind when I was preparing this word, and I've pinched it, and I've changed it, but the message is for every one of us this morning. Don't look the other way, I've called it. God could have soul, saved a soul that day. But I chose to look the other way. Wasn't that I didn't care. I had the time and I was there. God could have used my mouth to speak. But I didn't say. I felt so weak. I let them go to just walk on by. No excuse. No reason why. But I didn't want to seem the fool. To speak of Christ just isn't cool. I know that he had needs. His heart was sore. I might be wrong. And I'm still not sure. I talked myself out of feeling bad. Others do the same. I knew they had. So I shook my head and walked on by. And then I felt God's spirit sigh. But I took the chance. I closed my eye and with that one act, I let him die. I could have saved a life that day. Sorry, I chose to look the other way. Now every time I hear his name, I'll know I live still with the shame. That guilt is something I must bear but it isn't something you must share. If you see the road that others take, that puts their life and soul at stake, the question asked or things you say could help them live for Christ that day. So whatever you do, don't hide away. And you will never have to say, God could have saved a soul that day. But I chose to look the other way. Friends, God is calling us as a church to be people who will be intercessors for others. God is calling us for people who will bear one another's burdens even when it seems heavy. God is calling us. In fact, his word says that he has given to us a ministry, the ministry of reconciliation. That means God has given to you, brother. You know Jesus God has entrusted into your hands a ministry to bring the lost to Jesus. To bring those in need into the Saviour's arms.
to bring those who are broken into a place of healing. God has given to those who name the name of Jesus in this place. But then, I know that there are people that are still spectators on all that God is doing in this place. And God is saying to you, I know your past. I know the things that have hardened your heart, that have hurt, that have broken it. I know the things that you struggle with. I know the, the, the reasons why you just don't feel that you can put your foot on the starting line and begin to run. And he's saying to you, I can do it with you. I can do it for you. I can meet the needs. I can break the chains that are there in your life. I wonder if the pianist would come, please. Are we going to, are we going to friends today as a church, as we set out, are we going to be those who will run and finish well? Are we going to be those who when we when we stand before Jesus and stand before him, we will, friends. Are we going to receive that crown of life? Are we going to receive, do you know, to me, it doesn't matter if I receive a crown or not. The, the, the one thing that is the passion of my heart is that when I stand before him, he will know me. And by God's grace, he'll say, well done. Well done. You, you know, you've really messed it up sometimes, Tony. And I have, believe me, I've messed it up sometimes. You've messed it up sometimes, Tony, but you've remained faithful. Well done, you good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy 